0: Hey, so last Sunday, uh, Justin began our new series uh, about courage by taking a look at the story of Moses. He was a man who experienced a pretty big moral failure um, when he murdered an Egyptian um, in his attempt to kind of fight for justice for his Israelite people. And so as a result of that, he ended up fleeing and kind of running away in in fear and shame uh, for about a 40-year period until God kind of tapped him on the shoulder um, to be a part of his plan to deliver his people from uh, the Egyptians as well. And as Justin shared, Moses faced some serious doubts about his own abilities after kind of 40 years on the sidelines to the point of basically begging God to not send him to Egypt, to have to stand before Pharaoh and all the unknowns that awaited him. Moses had much to learn about where the source of true courage came from because God wasn't sending him back to Egypt alone. God had promised, I will be with you, but that required a whole new level of faith and trust that Moses really hadn't experienced before. And courage is a really fascinating topic for me as a leader um, because leadership absolutely demands a constant level of courage that forces me to do the harder things on a regular basis, whatever that might be in the moment. Harder decisions, harder conversations, uh, taking a harder look at my own character flaws, Um, the list goes on. And I also work with a lot of young people, Um, a lot of them are here today, who run on my uh, distance teams at Central, either in track or or cross country. And, I'm seeing What I'm seeing in the younger generation um, is, is really concerning to me, and it's not them, it's our society as a whole. In general, we live in a courage-deficient world right now. We have become an enabling society to the point where many people have become paralyzed at the idea of taking risks, of stretching themselves outside of their comfort zones for fear of failure, or an aversion to discomfort, or stretching themselves, um, taking risks, or doing whatever it takes. Um, some of those things are the, kind of the primary culprits that keep us, and so many people, stuck in what we think are seemingly safe, <laughs> but often unhealthy and unfulfilled spaces. And more and more, I'm spending time at practice trying to um, kind of talk with my students about the importance of leaning in, hard things that demand courage, while also allowing their friends to struggle with the uncertainty of whether they can rise the occasion without wanting to rescue one another from that challenge or that potentially painful time. Many of you guys have heard of a a lady named Brene Brown. She's a pretty famous sociologist and researcher and author and speaker. She has some fascinating things to say about courage based on Literally thousands of interviews and studies that she's done with people who she has kind of seen kind of sift to the top. She calls those people wholehearted. They're living wholehearted lives. I love this quote from her book, Rising Strong. Says this, among the professional storytellers I interviewed for this book was Shonda Rhimes, the creator and showrunner of Grey's Anatomy and Scandal. And one of my favorite story writers, when I asked her about the role of struggle in storytelling, this is what she said, put that quote up there, I don't even know who a character is until I've seen how they handle adversity. On screen and off screen, that's how you know who someone is. So let me ask you a question as we start here this morning. What did you learn about yourself in a, in a moment or a season of your life that demanded courage from you? What did you learn about yourself? Anybody willing to share? Yeah. Okay, that's great. So going through cancer treatments, they she said they had a motto that you don't really know how strong you are until you're what is it? Until being strong is your only option. Your only option. Okay? Yeah, and a lot of times adversity brings something out of you that you maybe you didn't know was in there. Yeah. What else? Any other lessons learned from moments or seasons where you've displayed some courage? Yeah. That I can do hard things. Okay, good. Yeah. I had a part of the mess I made. That you did what now? I had a part of the, the mess that I was in. The hard time came because of things I did, not just what others have done to me. Okay. So I had to really look inward. I really wanted to admit my failures. Okay. Yeah, a lot of times those, those moments uh, require kind of an inner look at, at some things and some things that maybe we have to take responsibility for, for sure. Brown goes on to say this. She says, It often takes just a single brave person to change the trajectory of a family. And you can fill in the blank there with a lot of things. A single brave person to change the trajectory of a team or a church or a business. That is certainly what the Old Testament character David did for his family. His family was pretty much unknown before he arrived on the scene. So I want you to open your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 17. It's page 405 in your pew Bibles. See, as we enter this chapter in the story of the nation of Israel, we find a a people who are stuck. Every day, this Philistine giant named Goliath keeps coming out to the battlefield and taunting them and taunting their God. And so they're living with the fear and shame of cowardice. And their king, Saul, is, is afraid to go out there. And so that fear is kind of trickled down to the the common man in the, in the troops, in the trenches as well. And from the eye test, things don't look good, right? You're looking out at this giant that some, someone like we've never seen before. You have to, you know, do the translations of the language they use here, but basically it's a, it's a nine-foot, nine-inch giant. Like nobody in their right mind would go out and fight somebody that big, Right? So in chapter 16, we learn that God had grown tired of Saul's leadership. He was the current king, and he had chosen and anointed a future king, somebody that was going to take his place one day. He was the youngest of a man named Jesse's eight sons. He was a shepherd, just a teenage boy from the town of Bethlehem. And one day, that boy David, he goes to the front lines to deliver some food to his older brothers who are should be fighting, but they're just hanging out, hearing the taunts of Goliath. And so David goes and he hears the taunts and he hears him mocking the God of Israel. And he is incensed because he is seeing this whole situation through very different eyes. And I I think he's kind of looking around at these other much bigger, older men, experienced fighters than him, wondering, why are you guys taking this? Why are you letting our God being talked to like that? And And so David starts making some claims about his willingness to fight the giant. And that word kind of gets back to Saul. And Saul says, well, bring that guy in. I'd like to meet him. So we're going to start in verse 32 today as David is talking to Saul. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. So imagine this scene. Puny, scrawny little David comes walking into the king's presence saying that he's going to take care of the giant. And Saul has to be thinking, oh man, come on, right? Stop wasting my time. Did you notice how David approached him though? Usually when you go into the presence of like a king or queen, you wait until they say something before you talk. But David kind of barges in and immediately starts talking. He's a cocky little dude. And the first thing he says to the king is, hey, let nobody lose heart. I got this, right? I love, first of all, that he's thinking about the nation as a whole. Right, Let nobody lose heart, Right, not just the king, but, but everybody. Your servant will go and fight him. And we can see by Saul's initial response here back to David that nothing about David's physical attributes is inspiring any confidence in Saul that this is actually possible, right? But all we have to do is turn back one chapter. So look back into chapter 16, verse 7, and we see these words from God. It says this, the Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. <laughs> Saul says, thanks, but no thanks. But David doesn't say, well, thanks for your time. Thanks for the interview. I'll, just, I'll show myself out. All right? No, he doesn't do that at all. He pops right back in and says, hey, I'm not done here. I haven't even shared my resume yet. And so let's see what he says in verse 34. It says, but David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. (laughs) Man, You want to talk about some courage. People could see that there was something different about David very early on. Again, if you look back in chapter 16, verse 18, it says this. It says, one of the servants answered, I have seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the lyre. He is a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well and is a fine looking man and the Lord is with him. The Lord is with him. And what did David say when he gets to the end of his story about killing the bear and the lion? He said, the Lord rescued me and he will do it again. Well, now you can see where David gets the ability to write like those famous words that he wrote in Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. He understood the role of God's presence in instilling confidence in his heart. And the initial reactions between Moses and David could not be any different, any more stark, right? When called to do a courageous thing, Moses initially doubted himself. Doubted God, paralyzed by his past failures. David, on the other hand, was confidence confident in God's ability and drew strength and courage from his past victories. But here's the most important truth, guys. Both Moses and David became heroes of our faith. God uses all kinds of people to accomplish great things for his kingdom. Some of us are more naturally confident and courageous while others of us are a little bit more hesitant, fearful, or anxious. But it's not about our abilities. It's about God. And he will accomplish whatever he sets out to do, and he will use whoever he wants to use to do it. And as long as we're living our lives, as we kind of talked about uh, last week, how the Psalms used this imagery of being in the shadow of his wings, being near to him, being under his covering. As long as we're there, he promises, I'll be with you. I'll give you everything that you need. That same power is in all of us through the Holy Spirit. Do you have eyes to see it? When David finished sharing his resume of slaying giants, I'm sure that Saul kind of sat there in stunned silence thinking, Oh gosh, what do I say to this guy now? <laughs> Finally, he replied, go and the Lord be with you. Quite a turnaround from the initial conversation after he hears a little bit about David's past. And guys, I really want you to hear this because this is, this is so good right here. Oftentimes, we don't know the courageous potential in people because we don't know their stories and we don't know what challenges they've overcome in their life already. I'm going to read that again. If I can find it. (laughs) Oftentimes we don't know the courageous potential in people because we don't know their stories and what challenges they may have already overcome Right, You couldn't just look at David. You wouldn't have looked at him and thought, oh yeah, that guy's killed a bear and a lion. <laughs> and we can come across people in life that we look at and they kind of seem a little bit unassuming and like nothing spectacular. We have no idea what maybe they've overcome in life that we would be like inspired by to hear if we took the time to get to know them, to ask them, to have them share David had these victories in his past to draw courage from. I want to ask you, if any of you have, any lion and bear stories in your life? Not like literally. I mean, maybe. If you did do something like that, that'd be amazing. But do you have any times where God has just shown up against the odds and you kind of walked away being like, wow, I can't believe God used me to do that or allowed me to, to do that? It was just kind of like one of those stories you hold on to as like a bedrock of your faith because it was far beyond your potential to pull off in your own strength. Anybody have anything like that? Oh, man, you guys came to the right place in this morning. Because that's my goal, is to get you to have some of those stories, right? Anyone? This is not in the script, but since you're not sharing stories, I guess I'll share one. I went on a mission trip one time with, with Living Water. Some of us have been on some of those trips, some of you guys were on this trip with me. There was a guy there on the trip, just from a different church, not associated with us, but he was staying with us for the week. He was a, like a Vietnam War vet. And he had gotten like a, a, an award of basically like humanitarian of the year for this pet, um, uh, this pet organization, um, because he, he lived in Florida and he was walking his golden, golden retriever and an alligator came up out of the water and took his dog under the water And this guy jumped in and got the dog out from the alligator. Like started punching the alligator in the face and rescued his dog. And got this award and we're all just like, oh my gosh. Insane, man. I mean, I love dogs, but I'd be like, man, it's been a good run, buddy. (laughs) But I'm not there. Yeah, this guy was intense. Um, Gosh, you know, I mean for me, guys, I mean, obviously planting this church was probably like my lion or bear moment in life, right? So many things had to go a certain way in order for this place to exist and for us to all be here today. Um, Everything from me transitioning jobs from young life to here and like needing kind of a a gap year um, to where I can get some experience and have some money to support my family of five at that time. Um, A a church in Kansas City hired me to do an internship and really came through for me in a lot of ways um, to to the process of getting this building, which was just miraculous. The financial piece of that, the church that I interned at, we didn't ask them for it, but when I left their internship after year to start Wellspring, they gave us $20,000. That didn't see that coming. I remember sitting down at Panera with a guy in town who I just knew in passing, asking me about this church plant. He'd kind of heard that we were doing. He's never come here to church. We talked that one day, got a check for $2,000 a couple days later from him. Um, Back then, that was a lot of money for us. (laughs) The amount of leaders and volunteers that had to show up, the staff people that we've had over the years that have helped kind of keep this place together and going. That's why we have this, I've showed you just before, this remember rock from 2006, right? When we planted Wellspring that I have on my counter because I, I look back, we sing a lot about Ebenezer's. Those are like stones of remembrance, right? And as we go through life and God shows up in miraculous ways, we stack Ebenezer's on top of each other, right? We, we leave an altar behind of saying, man, if not for God... <laughs> That wouldn't have happened. This wouldn't have changed. And some of you might say, well, I don't have those stories. My answer to you would be, get some. Get some. Step out. Do something that requires courage. Build a resume of God's faithfulness. Do something hard. Anybody can do it. Go to be fit for a week, right, Brad? Run a half marathon, run a marathon. Be like Jack and Calvin and run ultra marathons, right, Brian? Start a business. Reconcile a relationship that's been broken for a while that might require humility, forgiveness on your part and theirs. Do something hard, I told my runners all the time that we are doing more than running every day. We're building a resume for life that reminds us that we can do hard things. That a lot of other kids in their school are choosing not to do. Right? And they're going to be able to look back on their life and say, I did something hard. I know I can do something hard. And they showed that to themselves. I have a girl we were talking about. She's a senior. Our season just wrapped up, right? A senior girl came out a couple years ago, had never ran before, didn't run all summer. She just decided kind of late in the summer she wanted to give it a try. She started off running over 30 minutes for a 5K, okay? She just finished her last race as a senior. It was her PR, best race ever, 24, 30, something like that. Took off over five or six minutes off of her 5K in a couple years. And she did it because she worked hard. she got to reap the benefit of that and she showed herself that if I do something hard I can do more than I thought I could and here's where the story kind of gets funny if we're back in first Samuel right so he says David go on your way but he tries to give David his armor and his sword to wear because he's like you're totally unprepared for battle David tries to put it on it doesn't really fit it's not really his style and Saul is thinking that David had to fight the giant the way he would. And David wasn't having it, he wasn't comfortable with it. He just goes and grabs five smooth stones and that trusty slingshot that he was familiar with, and he starts running to the battlefield. And the rest is history. Folks, courage doesn't come from having the right weapons or the right phys- physical attributes. But courage comes from having the right perspective about God. God's not asking you to do things like other people who have different skill sets, different physical attributes, different personalities or gifts than you. God made you. God is fully aware of your limitations, of your fears, of your perceived inability He knows everything about you. But the call for all of us is the same. Jesus meets us all with this call to courage. I want you to turn to Matthew 16 in your Bibles. Page 1399, Matthew 16. Matthew 16, verse 24 It says, then Jesus said this to his disciples, and he says it to all of us who would ever follow him. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. It's a call out of a comfortable life. Jesus says, deny yourselves. And not just deny yourself of good things or riches or those things that our mind might go to. Deny your fears. Deny your worries. Deny your shortcomings. Take up your cross and follow me. And where was Jesus heading? He was heading to a place of persecution and to experience suffering. And so are we if we follow him. You see, the Christian life requires courage. So part of what we have to do is we have to check our expectations of what the Christian life is supposed to be. If you're living the Christian life in a way that God asks us to, there ought to be some courage involved in that. It shouldn't feel easy. But just like David said to Saul, Jesus says to us, take heart. For I've overcome the world. You don't have to be fearful of the things I've asked you to do. He calls us all to follow him and he calls us all to go into the world. One of the last things that the resurrected Jesus says to his disciples is what we call the Great Commission. Right? You can... Look it up in Matthew 28. We've got it on the slide here today. Then Jesus came to them and said to his disciples, he said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. He gives the same message marching orders to all of us go and make disciples not just the confident or the talented or the strong or the rich or the educated among us but all of us the scared, anxious, limited self-doubting ones as well because listen guys Courage isn't about what we bring to the table. Courage is about what we believe about the God we follow. Courage isn't about what we bring to the table. It's about what we believe about the God that we follow. Heroes come in all shapes and sizes. Right? The disciple Peter, he was kind of this cocky, confident leader type. And when he spoke in the book of Acts... You're like, man, this guy is powerful. He speaks with authority. And then along comes this guy named Paul, right? Mo- wrote most of the New Testament. We think of him as a pretty courageous guy. Here's how he describes himself in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Paul writes to the church in Corinth. He says, and so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I received, I'm sorry, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Basically, Paul said, I came to you when I was a scaredy cat, (laughs) I was literally shaking as I was trying to talk to you guys. I was so nervous. But he's like, it wasn't about me. It was about God's power in me that made all the difference. Guys, do we look at the obstacles? All the things that we think could go wrong, when we, when we take a look at kind of our own inabilities and our inadequacies or do we look at what could be the lives that could be changed if we trusted in God's power at work in us and his ability to use anyone to accomplish his plans we don't have a power problem we don't have a power problem the spirit who raised Christ Jesus from the dead is in all of us Every one of us who's put their faith and trust in Him. We have an identity problem and we have a faith problem. What area of your life needs courage right now? Is it your marriage? Is it a dating relationship? Is it a a friendship? Do you need courage for a potential career change? Do you need courage to face your past and pursue some healing that needs to take place? Some of you guys have lions and bears in your life, and they're like painful wounds that you've been through. Some of you guys have courageous stories about facing some of those things in your life that you didn't share with us today that are powerful, courageous things that you've been willing to address and deal with in your life and get healing from you face some lions and bears, but they're called whatever, shame, abuse. David was a songwriter, right? When he was taking care of those sheep, he was up there writing songs about God. Long before he was killing bears and lions and giants, he was singing about the faithful nature of God, a God who was with him, And would provide for him whatever he needed to face any challenge. We need to build some wins in our life to gain some confidence. We all need some lions and bears stories. But we all also need to build our faith and our trust in who God is. And what he says he will do. And so that's why it's so important that we spend time in his word. It's why it's important that we come Hear and we sing together, and we're encouraged by sharing one another's stories about what God is doing in our life because all of those little daily disciplines and daily devotions prepare us for the big moment that we don't know is coming or what challenge might be around the next corner. It's coming, it's just a matter of whether you've been like building up your courage and your faith and your trust in God along the way so that when it comes, you're ready to meet the challenge right let me ask you this question why was David willing to fight the lion and the bear yeah oh, I thought you were going to say something profound to me why was he willing to fight the lion and the bear because what okay Yes Yeah true Because he felt responsibility Right for the sheep Right he knew That dad wasn't going to be happy If he showed up with less sheep Than he went out with Right the sheep mattered The sheep were precious To him What matters To you Because a lot of times our courage is fueled by a sense of injustice, a holy discontent over something we just cannot continue to allow happening. And when we're in touch with what that thing is for us, that like, man, that injustice I cannot sit on the sidelines of. It spurs something in you, courage you didn't know you had, right? Mamas, if somebody comes after your kid, whoo, back off, right? Guys, that's what it was for us when we started Wellspring. It was like there were just so many young people in our town that were not going to church. And we were just like, that is just not okay. What we experienced up here this morning was not happening enough in our city. And we were willing to do whatever it took to go through whatever trials or tribulations we had to go through to make sure that this place happened, right? It, it sparked some courage in us. What matters to you? Find it. Figure it out. Pray for it. I want to return to Brene Brown as we close today. After studying, and interviewing thousands of people, here are a couple of her conclusions. The future of leadership is Courage. We are in desperate need of braver leaders and more courageous cultures since we simply cannot address the problems we're facing today without more courage. And then secondly, she said, vulnerability is hard and it's scary and it feels dangerous. But it's not as hard, scary, or dangerous as getting to the end of our lives and having to ask ourselves, what if I would have shown up? Remember it often takes just a single brave person to change the trajectory of a family. Right? We talk in here in our church, our our mission statement is creating a new normal for the next generation. And in order for that to happen, a lot of you have had to be courageous to create a new trajectory for your family. Along the way, here's some questions that we'll have to address. I'm gonna leave these up here and you can take a picture of them if you want. What do we believe about God? What do we believe about his power? What do we believe about his promises? What does he believe about who he says we are and what he'll do? Secondly, what do we believe about ourselves? Who are we? Whose are we? What's in us? What are we capable of? Right? We just sang this morning and scripture says nothing's impossible with God. Do we believe that? Do we live like that? Thirdly, what do we believe about the life of Christ has called us to? Do we believe that it will be challenging, that it will require courage to live out on a daily basis, to to transform and be made into his image, to to come to terms with the brokenness and the sin inside of us that needs to change, the ways that we're not loving? That takes courage. That takes humility. Humility. We can't stay the same. We need to surround ourselves with others who have learned some of the secrets of living courageously. Folks who have slayed some giants in their life, not because they're amazing, but because they believed in a God who can do great things. Right? Y'all need to get yourselves a courage posse around you. Okay? And finally, guys, we need to practice less enabling and rescuing other people from pain and more inspiring people that they can do hard things. There's too much babying going on in our world. Sometimes we need to come alongside somebody and say, you can do it. Right, Because we all are going to face hard things. So trying to just rescue people from pain all the time, that's a never-ending process because there's always going to be pain. Instead, let's equip people to handle the pain with courage because it's coming, right? And so a lot of the reason why the high schoolers that I'm working with struggle with this a little bit is because of you adults, you parents out there that have hovered over them and tried to rescue them from everything. Come on, y'all, Right? You got Jesus in you who conquered the grave. We can do anything, right? Let's, let's focus on encouraging, putting courage in people, inspiring them, saying, you can do it. Come on, get back out there. Let's go, right? The world needs this. If you watch the news, people need courage. People making some hard decisions in this world right now, right? Pray for it for yourself. Pray for it those around you, leaders in our world. Whew, I'm done talking. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for, you know, just unbelievable stories. Man, I love that the Bible is just about normal people. You took the youngest son of a nobody family who was just a shepherd kid out on the hills and you turned him into somebody that we still talk about thousands of years later as being one of the most courageous people you would ever meet. You would walk by David on the street and think nothing of him based on his appearance. Lord, you took prostitutes. You took tax collectors. You took a teenage mom from nowhere and made her the mother of you. God, every one of us has been created by you and for you to do unbelievable things in this world, to bring light into the darkness. God, fill us with courage. Help us to understand that it's not about us. It's about you. And help us to be people who inspire and encourage others to believe in the people that you've created them to be. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You stand as we close.